Today's episode is brought to you by Choice by Kingdom Trust and Voyager. We'll learn more about them later on in the episode. What is up, everybody? I'm Scott Melker, and this is the Wolf of All Streets podcast, where twice a week I talk to your favorite personalities from the worlds of Bitcoin, crypto, art, finance, sports, music, politics, basically anyone with a good story to tell. Uh, This show is powered by Blockworks Group, a media company with over 20 podcasts in their network. You can check them out at blockworksgroup.io. Uh, if you like the podcast and you and you like following me on Twitter, you can check out my website at thewolfofallstreets.io. You can also sign up for my newsletter there and basically catch all my thoughts on markets and, and beyond. Now let's get into what's more important, and that's today's guest. He's a former Major League Baseball player turned artist. After discovering he needed a new platform to express himself, both vocally and artistically, he left the dugout and swung for the fences in the world of art. This transition has inspired people around the globe to achieve any dream they can imagine, regardless of race, background, or ability. So, Michael Johnson, man, it's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for, for, for taking the time. Yeah, man, that was a great intro, man. Glad to be here. You know, got to do it right. <laughs> no, I'm so, so I, I just, you know, as, as we discussed, the, the premise of this podcast is really just to have a conversation with, with interesting people. And you've done so much and in seemingly like sort of opposite worlds, right? I mean, sports right. and art, I don't find kind of cross uh, so often. So start from the beginning, man. Who are you? Where are you from? You know, how did, how did this all begin? Yeah, from Indiana, um, art was never a thing in our lives. Like baseball was always like the obsession and like beyond obsessed. Like when I was four years old, um, like, I was like, I want to be a major league baseball player. And every single day, like that was my dream. There was no plan B. And every teacher, you know, is like, you got to have a plan B. You got to have a plan B. I was like, no, I don't need a plan B when I know like this is what I want to do. So like, you know, my whole life was just centered around baseball. And eventually, actually in 2016 with the Dodgers, um, my manager, I, I just got traded over there and he called me to the front and was like, you know, what do you want to, oh, he's like, what do you like to do? And I was watching around and I saw a lot of players like, say, hey, uh, I like to fish. And then Dave would be like, you know, all right, Kershaw and Justin Turner, you take this kid fishing or something, right? So I was like, man, I don't want to go up there and say I play piano. Like, you want me to play piano, that'd be weird, you know? So I, I, I did like a paint and sip class uh, right before I went with my girlfriend at the time. And um, I was like, I like to paint, man. Like, that, you know, he's like, great, do a painting of Maury Wills. And Maury Wills was like a, a Dodger legend. And yeah. me and him had breakfast and lunch every day. And, used to bunt every day. And that's kind of how like art started. Like I presented this portrait and everyone's like, Oh, this is so great. And I was like, great. I'm an artist. So I'm just going to do, I'm going to do it. You know? And uh, but had you never painted before? Like you didn't grow no, up. I mean, well, it wasn't even a hobby. Like I can't even draw uh, stick figures. You couldn't teach me to paint. If like your life depended on it, it would be impossible. I mean, I, I, right. Right. No, I, no, I was not. I'm the same way. Like I had no artistic ability at all. So like I never painted, you know, just like messing around or whatever. Um, never painted, knew nothing about it. Um, and then that season, like during the whole season, I just kept working on it, you know, here and there. And then that off season, we had an exhibit at Dodger stadium, like the first art exhibit they ever had. Um, and it was with this duo named Shelby and Sandy out of LA, like probably one of the top, like premier pop artists, like they should not have done a show with me, but like they're the best dudes in the world. Uh, And it was wild. And ever since then, I just like, I got to paint man. that's what I got to do. I mean, it's, that's so crazy because it's not like art is not usually something I find that people come to, you know, yeah. like in their 20s and 30s. Like you, you hear about people that kind of come back to like I played the piano when I was a teenager and when I'm yeah, 60, right. I'm, in, I'm retired yeah. and I want to do it again. But to find a new hobby and then choose to make it a career is a pretty huge thing. What, what do most professional athletes do when they retire? I mean, I know that coming from a town like Gainesville, where like I am, they all become like the local insurance agents or they do the commercials right. and stuff. And that's, <laughs> right. yeah, you guys have so many down there. They're like, yeah. like every, yeah. Um, no, I mean, I think it's changing now. I think players are becoming more like worried about like their brand and like investing in certain businesses. And like, you see that more, like when I was playing, especially in baseball, baseball is kind of like a more conservative demographic but you see a lot of nba guys with their portfolios and like different businesses out there you know like duran and iguodala um and i think you're, just, you're starting to see that more in baseball too but i think you know guys like i talked to a lot of players who retire and like who made a lot of money and they're like you know they still are hustling you know doing other stuff i think it's that yeah. nature you know what i mean 
That, that's a, that touches on something really interesting. When your whole life is competing, how do you let that go? It's hard, man. You get a lot of trouble. Like, um, you always have to compete at something. So like for me, like if I'm, I go to the casino, I don't have, I don't stop. It's like, not because the money or anything like that. It's because like I'm competing. So you got to find like a way to like channel this. So for me, it's art now. Like I see, okay, this, I sold this, I reached this high price point. Right. Or like this painting I did is better than my last. I'm always trying to like one up myself. So I, like, I kind of like internalize that competition. And at the same time, like I'm trying to push the limits creatively. So like, I have this like internal composition, uh, competition, I guess, but for other guys, like you look at like what Kobe Bryant built, like after his career, like he, one thing about athletes is when we come out of our sport, we're behind because business guys, you know, they build this, like this wealth of knowledge and experiences and they get like, they get their ass handed to them like early on. Right. We come out in like, you know, our thirties or whatever, you're way behind the eight ball. Um, so like that competitive nature that he had to build that so quickly is like incredibly impressive. You know what I mean? Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, as I mentioned to you before, like I, I was born in LA. My parents were Dodgers fans back to like my family, my grandparents, great grandparents back to the forties and fifties. And so, and I was born in LA, so I was a huge Laker fan and, and Dodger right. fan as a result. And I mean, obviously a huge Kobe fan and like, to me, the, the saddest part, obviously, besides the death of his child, was that we didn't really get to see that entire second act play out because rarely do you see a person who can achieve greatness at that level in multiple fields. Yeah. And he was one of the rare ones who it seemed was setting up for that to happen. I mean, do you think that really was just his competitive nature? I mean... Yeah, yeah. You have to, like, you have to have something to expedite that. Like, another example is, like... Uh, like, I don't know. I think you'll see a lot more players like that. Like yeah. Kyrie Irving's and like, like I said, like Iguodala. LeBron, yeah. LeBron, man. right? Like you're going to see a lot of players like that. But Kobe was doing that, you know, before social media, before like you could just check with people through video conferencing, right? Like he built this like empire. And I think, you know, a lot of players are doing that. Like one of my good friends, um, Adrian Gonzalez, like he played a long time. And now he has different businesses like all around. And it's like... I think Kobe was a big inspiration for a lot of us athletes for sure. Yeah, I, I think so. Did you ever feel like when you were an athlete that your voice was somewhat silenced? I mean, in that now you're channeling that creative energy. I mean, I've heard from a lot of people yeah. I know who played sports were sort of like, you know, you have to toe the line and obviously like it's always the team narrative and you know. Yeah. That's one thing I've struggled with um, post playing and especially now, like why I'm trying to, like, I feel really blessed that I have a second opportunity with another platform that I think has surpassed my platform as a baseball player. That's crazy. To use my voice. Yeah. Like I think I feel incredibly fortunate because like when I played, I was always that guy on the cusp, you know, like he might be the the last guy on the roster or whatever. So I was just like head down, like I'm going to follow all the rules and I'm going to work every single day. You know what I mean? And there was still this stuff going on, going on around us. Like I played in the game in Baltimore right after the riot during the riots. um, And we had no fans. And looking back on it, like no, no reporters, like we don't really talk about it. You know, we talked about how weird it was to play a game with no fans, even though there was a bigger issue going on, like right outside the stadium. So like, yeah, ours is kind of like my avenue now to like say whatever I want to say. And so, and you like consider yourself a crypto artist. So obviously there's a story there with Bitcoin as well. I'd love to hear like your Bitcoin story, how you got into it. And then maybe how, if it does, I mean, I'm just kind of a, assuming here, but that has something to do with also, you know, using your voice and that, and that freedom, or at least that's how I view it. Yeah. I mean, I just got into it just like everybody else gets into it. Right. Like, Oh, this, you see the price of money, (laughs) money, money. And you know, okay, I'm going to sell this and this, I see these artworks. Right. And then you start looking at other trading them and all that. Everybody tries to day trade. Everybody gets, you know, smacked. So like, it's like the evolution of joining crypto. Right. Um, and for me, what I noticed a lot that I really admired about the community in crypto is like how close niche it was, right? Like it seemed like a lot of people were very inclusive and it was a time in my life artistically where I didn't know what I wanted to do. So like they kind of welcomed me and kind of like, I was able to see what other people were doing and like, versus like the real art world, you know, artists are kind of like 
on their own, you know, all over the place. So I, I feel like I learned a lot from them. And now like we have a, I was able to kind of take those lessons and now I have this clear path on what I really want to use the blockchain for, right? Like before it was just like, let's make money, you know? Right. But these current projects we're working on now are like real use cases to bring like real world, you know, eyes and like, okay, that made sense. Like this, like block, you only can do this on blockchain. You know what I mean? That's kind of like a really cool evolution for me because I see the power of like blockchain, not necessarily like trading crypto and stuff, but like the underlying technologies and the benefits of it. You know? Can you talk more about specifically what you're doing and, and what you're talking about yeah. then? Yeah. I mean, so like it's probably the first time we talk about it publicly, but like one thing that we're working on and I'll be flying out here probably tomorrow um, to work on for about the next two weeks is my whole thing is I want to inspire children and give children an opportunity. Right. Um, you know, I think black kids especially are behind the eight ball. Um, but like, I just speaking from my personal experiences, right? Like our resources were very limited growing up. So we didn't have like certain opportunities. Like I really wanted to go to the university of Arizona and they offered me a really good scholarship, but we didn't have enough money to even cover the rest of it. So I, I went to Indiana university. Right. So, Right now we're creating an initiative to my subjects and my paintings are going to be actual kids in underserved areas. And we're going to identify certain kids. So we, right now we have three kids that we're going to uh, start with. And what we're going to do is um, I'm going to paint them. And then we're working on another bigger project with um, photography that will kind of be like a computer, like computer programmed. So this artwork will have these kids and they can change over time. And it's really cool use of the blockchain technology. And with that, people can donate um, to their, this, this fund for these kids. So when they turn 18, they have access to this trust. Um, and it, for that's me, cool. that's really important because now they have options. You know what I mean? Like they have actual options. Well, why, I mean, why are you so concerned with doing charity and with, with helping kids? I mean, you could be doing anything with your life. You know, what is it that makes you sort of compelled to give back? Yeah, for me, I mean, <clears throat> I just look back on my life and I had a lot of help, you know, a lot of coaches. I, I didn't get to where I needed to be but, um, without them. You know what I mean? And a lot of these kids don't have that around, you know. Um, a lot of these kids you know, might not have a dad or don't have the resources to do this. So I feel like I want to do my part to give access and options, really. And, you know, our... I've been blessed that, you know, I can give back, you know, with my art, you know, I've worked really hard to earn the price points that I do. So I want to ensure that my art can give back to them. And I think seeing them like these kids be able to see themselves in, in artwork, like it's truly inspiring because like they can look at the, their dreams and they can see themselves on these massive paintings or these massive artworks. Right. Um, and always just like, you know, like that's like, that's me up there. You know, I'm just average kid. You know, I might have all these tough circumstances, but I can look at myself on these paintings or something and to give back to them. It just makes sense. And to use the blockchain for that, um, you know, uh, it just, it's going to be really cool. That's awesome, man. So you said that you knew you wanted to be a professional baseball player when you were four, like why baseball? I mean, I, I always think of like Hoosiers <laughs> and everybody being a basketball player in Indiana. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the height thing mattered. Like, I mean, I was like, I'm like 5'11", you know, like sometimes yeah. I was down on my baby toes on my car, my, my baseball card. Say like I get that six. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, I mean, I don't know why baseball, man. Um, just something I was obsessed with. Like, and it's so funny because like, even to like my last game, my parents still didn't know how to talk about baseball. Like they didn't know, like that was a good thing or a bad thing, even though they watch every game, you know? So it wasn't a family thing. This was like, oh, you totally, totally self-inspired. No. Yeah. And it's really, my parents were really cool about that. Like they're supportive, but they also like don't care. You know what I mean? Like, like with art, for example, like I'll send my mom a picture of paint. And everything, all the time, it's like, all I get is back is one word text, nice. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean. Yeah, like, nothing to her, right? And so, like, that's how it was in baseball. I could hit, you know, two home runs or three home runs, right? Nothing. And it was cool because, like, it keeps you grounded. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. To them, I wasn't doing anything special. I was just playing, like, playing, playing doing what you do. Yeah. yeah. Like, I was supposed to do this, you know what I mean? 
And my mom listens to all my podcasts and then she always like hits me up with questions. She's like, I really, you know, I try to listen, but I really didn't understand anything you were talking about for the last 49 of 53 minutes. But it's, I mean, she really listens to all of them. And my parents were always very supportive of, you know, obviously I had a long DJ career. They would fly around and come to my shows and yeah. And whether they love the music or not, you know, they were always kind of there. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool. But like, I, you know, I just like, I listened to you talk about, the things that you've done and it sort of like resonates with me obviously because i had yeah, that dj career which certainly was not like on the level of being a major league baseball player but um, but it was great you know what i mean and then transitioning out of that and not having i guess that level of attention from people and that was a competitive in its own way too it was always like the bigger gig the better gig and then transitioning to something that's so like personal is you would think that music would be more personal, but when you're actually out there, it's not, but trading is very personal to me, like in crypto and stuff. It was a very uh, interesting transition. And I always kind of joke that traders, your competition is yourself, not everybody else. And that's interesting that you said that about art for you, because like, you know, if I said, Hey, how do you compete? I would have thought you'd go play pickup ball or something like, but you're like, nah, it's like, it's my art. It's my art. You know? No. And it's funny you said that about trading and like crypto, like, for, I feel like crypto is good for some people that can keep that discipline and that like they can like tone down that competitiveness. Like for me, like when I first got in it, like I was like, no, I gotta, I'm going to push the limits. Right. Yeah. And especially everybody, crypto, you can't push the limits in crypto. Like the, the, the limits are there, you know, whether you like them or not, there's never going to be like, like you can't go 10 X and try to get 11 X cause you'll be back to negative here in no time in 10 minutes. Yeah. 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 And I'm the king of that, you know? So like one thing that's interesting about crypto, these artists, like you can make a lot of money in crypto, right? Like you see some artworks, like one the other day sold for like $55,000. Right. So you give all these guys or and girls like this Ethereum, right. Or whatever, but there's really no, like, financial planning for them. Like, like for me, like I was, somebody would just say like, here, like some company just here, here's my Ethereum. You just, you invested how you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I feel like that would be a good business. Yeah. I mean, I think, I still think that there's a sort of like this overriding idea that it's all (laughs) monopoly money. Like I was joking with my friend the other day. I was like, I'll throw like, you know, 10 grand, whatever into some coin I've never heard of. I know nothing about the team, whatever. But if like one of my best friends was like, I've got this brilliant business idea. I need 10 grand. (laughs) Get out of here. You know what I mean? So like, what is it that makes it seem like it's not like real money? I don't know. I think it feels that way to a lot of people. And that's the reason. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess you're right. Maybe it's like the volatility that keeps us like, going right like because you know like at any moment it can just go to you know two x on you and you're just like oh great you know like it's maybe that instant satisfaction i don't know i mean there's always a chase in it i think too like you there's always something like i don't know yeah i, I think that you know for me like there's some artists that have a lot of ethereum you know and like to have somebody like say okay this is probably the best play for you like I think that crypto art world or NFTs in general are just going to keep going up. Like the more mass adoption there is, the more Ethereum is going to be spent. Um, and like, it's like, the, you know, we, we artists, we just want to create, you know, right. like, you're doing, you're, you're primarily selling physical paintings, correct? Yeah. So like, how does, I mean, I, I think a lot of people maybe don't really even know about NFTs, but how does that play into your future plans? And I mean, I guess you've already talked about that a little bit, but like, you know, I, I think a lot of people have a hard time jumping to like the value of digital art. Like, what do I put it yeah. on as a screensaver? Like, what, you know, how do I use it? Oh, I get that. Yeah. Um, and for me too, with like my gallery and the people that I work with, like PR and manager and all that, like they're very not like, I wouldn't say not, they don't understand it either. So like what we've been doing is identifying solutions to bridge the two. Cause they see like the potential there. Like they see that like part of it made sense, but they wanted to be able to sell it to their collectives. Right. And I think with this upcoming project, um, it's, it's, it, you can, you, you're going to be able to be able to access it on your TV if you have Apple TV. Right. So you're going to see yeah. my art on Apple TV yeah. and you're going to also see a change. Like I have control over, over, over an aspect of this, this artwork, the owner of it has control over it. So that's like a, something that it is like 
moving it towards that mass adoption. You know what I mean? I think yeah. this is going to be my first real go at like, we're going to get a lot of this next month and a half. We're doing a lot of like pushing it. So talk about the art that you've done that you've been selling. Obviously I think everybody has seen your, the astronauts. Yeah. You know what I mean, that's like that immediately. That's how I associate you. It was funny because like, I, I mean, I have to be honest, I didn't even put together that you were the baseball player. I love that. Yeah. When we originally like linked on Twitter and stuff, I was like, this dude is a cool artist. And I was like, that's be, be Michael Johnson. You know what I mean? So like, uh, can you talk about your early art, the, why you were painting the astronauts and and what, what the inspiration was there? Yeah. That's that's really, I'm really glad to hear that actually, man. Cause I tried really for a long time to have art, not be that baseball, like, Oh, I never wanted to be good at art and people buy my art because I was the baseball player. Right. right? I was on the journey to buy my, my, buy my art because it's really good. On its own merit. Yeah. Yeah. So the astro I came about, honestly, dude, a couple months ago, I would say like in February or March, I was like wandering around like aimlessly as a creative, like doing projects here and there, but like never had a, a distinct style. Like you said, you identified me with the astronaut. Like I've fought for years trying to figure that out. Like I've had exhibits and just been random stuff, you know? And as an artist, you have to have something like to be like, no, you have to have something that people can identify you with. Like whether right. it's like, like Jay-Z can't go make a country album and think it's going to sell. So like you have to stick to like something that people identify you as right. same with, with art. So, um, a couple months ago, like just randomly, my, I, my nephew asked his mom if astronauts could be black. And I said like something just sparked, like, like this kid's four years old, but he feels like there's limitations on his dreams. And I remember like when I was four, I never thought limitations. Like I never saw limitations until the day I retired, like never. So like, I was like, I just wanted, I just started just painting him, you know, just to inspire him. I was sending him pictures, I, you know, him in his astronaut outfit, like massive. And he was like, this is cool. And he was like, you know, take pictures and stuff. And then it just kind of just took off from there. Like astronaut helmet kind of became that symbol for me, like of like chasing your dream, whatever it is. Right. Cause astronaut is one of those things that's like so far out there to be yeah. like, like who's an astronaut, you Limit, know, literally <laughs> limitless. Yeah. 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 So that's yeah. kind of how it came about. Yeah. Had nothing to do with like crypto moon memes. No, <laughs> no, no. Cause my stuff wasn't mooning then. <laughs> I don't think anybody was in March. <laughs> No, no, that yeah, March was a uh, was a rough rough time, definitely. So, I mean, your plan now is art. I mean, that's what you're gonna do. That's what what you're focusing on. But it's still interesting to me that you focus on like being a crypto artist because inspiration can come from anywhere as an artist, right? I mean, do you paint other things? I mean, do you? You know, I know that when I did music, I'd be working on like I have ADD, but like I'd be working on like 97 beats at a time. And it would be really? like, I would do something for like 30 seconds. I'd be like, nah, I don't like those. Oh, let me pull up that other project. And it was just really scattered. That was just but my artistic you were, process. So you were efficient like that, right? Yeah, I, I was always working. And then I would eventually get them done. But I definitely couldn't, I could never like sit down and be like, I have to do this song in a week. And it's the only mm-hmm. thing I'm going to work on this week. Yeah. yeah, no, I think that I used to do that, right? I used to like, I got to push this. I got to, I gotta like, you know, I was in the same paint. And then I was like, you know what? Like, this is getting ridiculous. because I'm just throwing everything away. So now right. like, I only paint when I feel like paint. Like if, if I'm not in the mood to paint, I don't paint because it's just going to be bad. Yeah. So then I'll go into the studio and usually I get in about five in the morning, sometimes like earlier, maybe wow. six. Cause that's when I'm just, you're bright, like you're good, you know? Um, and I'll just go, I'll go until about 10 o'clock and I'll text my girl. I'm like, yo, uh, tomorrow night I'll do bath and, you know, bath time with our daughter and all that. But tonight, like I'm gone, you know, and I'll just, I'll be gone for you know, 14, 15 hours sometimes straight. And yeah, I'll, I want to talk about that. So how much has having a kid <laughs> affected your artistic process? And um, I guess even your, your lifestyle. I have a lot of thoughts on that myself, obviously. So I'm curious as mm-hmm. a new dad. <laughs> it's hard. Because you, you, can't go, you can't go 48 hours. No. Like, you have to do tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, like I... Um, I'm really bad at working. So like I work, I can work every single second, every single day. Yeah. Like I don't sleep. So like Same. I have a million different things going on. So like works, I don't know, it's not like work to me, you know, like I just, you just do it. So like when she was first born, it was really hard because like I had to, I didn't adjust properly. Right. And I'm sure like, I wasn't like 
the best at the beginning. But now, like, I'm trying to get in a groove where it's like, you know, only paint. I get up early. So, like, before she's up, I need a couple hours. She takes a nap in the morning. I, I'm still going, you know. But then, like, you know, I don't work on weekends anymore. So, like, that was always my thing. I always work on weekends. So, I said no more on the weekends. And then I try to take, you know, take her to watch by myself. That's like really hard to do. Yeah, <laughs> possible. So just trying to find that balance, I think, is really tough, especially if you're really into what you're doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's any parent who like is involved in the crypto market knows that, right? Because it's 24 yeah, seven. Yeah. It's like, you just, I mean, I just have to like set hours and set stop losses and hope for the best. I think, you know, so you don't um, Uniswap because there's no stop losses on Uniswap. <laughs> uh, no, no I, I do use Uniswap, but I just position my, like literally my entire position would be a equivalent to a like one or 2% loss portfolio. So like I, when I approach Uniswap or anything that has no stop loss, I just assume it's going to zero and plan accordingly, you know? Yeah, so totally. um, it's just way smaller positions and kind of more for fun, yeah, but yeah. I, I do do it, but it's really challenging. It was, it was challenging to be with music too. When I had my daughter, um, man, it's so funny looking back at how oblivious you are to what life's going to be like. Right. First of all, one th I thought I was going to have my studio in her bedroom. That's how dumb I was thinking I was going to like, she was going to nap while I was going to like sit there and make beats. Um, but I had, it was South by Southwest in Austin, Texas. And yeah. like I, I, w I had a gig on like March 19th opening for future. And I was like, am I going to be able to go? She's going to be born. And she was born on the 16th and I left the 18th. Like we got her home and I went to the airport, like from the hospital, dropped her off and I went and it was just horrible. Like I was there for three days and I didn't, like I felt so guilty and terrible. Yeah. And striving to find that balance, it was like from that day, I knew that whatever I was doing was not gonna work anymore, you hmm. know? And so like even artistically with this, it's always been a struggle for me to like put away whatever I'm doing and focus on those other things in life. Yeah, I think to keep it in perspective, like when I started seeing myself go down that path, like right now with this project, like I said, I'm gonna fly out tomorrow. I'm gonna be on it for a while. Um, but like, she'll come with me, you know, like we'll hang out. And I try to like, I just try to remember like, this isesn't last, like she's not gonna be this young forever. No. Like, it, like we, we go to lunch the other day and she throws her plate across the restaurant. She's like 10 months, but she has a lot of attitude. And I'm like, you know, that sucks. And I'm stressed out in here, like, but you know, it's not gonna last forever. And like, I can paint whatever. So, yeah, I, th I think the problem is just evolve. <laughs> that that doesn't last forever, but then you got like a teenage daughter and the, a whole other world of problems. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what I'm going to be in the studio all the time. <laughs> sure. yeah, exciting. <laughs> so ha like having been an athlete for so long, how do you like, I mean, keep in shape, like base, and I've always been interested to ask someone who played baseball because like, I know dudes who played basketball, go play pickup basketball, but you can't like yeah, go play right. pickup baseball, right? So like the minute you're done with baseball, you're kind of like done with baseball, right? Unless you like go to the batting cage or like oh, go practice yeah. stealing bases or something. I mean, what do you do? No, dude, I couldn't. Like if I go hit, if I try to hit a baseball right now, it wouldn't work too well. I haven't thrown, I haven't thrown a baseball since my last game and not even like pick it up nothing. Like what? Not, I haven't touched a bat either. I don't, I don't, I don't have a bat. I don't, I don't hit it. Was your whole it was your whole life gone like nothing like my daughter will never know i play baseball like like ever because i don't have anything like no like memorabilia no like so like physical exercising like i always knew it'd be tough when i got done because like i was so used to having someone like a trainer every day like someone driving you right yeah now like i wake up at five and I'm like, all right i gotta go work i gotta go do this you know what i mean so like i've been awful awful because it's just like I, I admire every normal human that isn't training to like be an athlete that works out because i'm like you have to have so much motivation you know <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you do don't be a part of the 7.1 million bitcoiners in the united states who have bitcoin and a retirement account but don't have bitcoin in their retirement account seriously you can hold Bitcoin in your retirement account and not just GBTC. How can you do this? Through a self-directed choice IRA by Kingdom Trust. The first thousand users to open a choice IRA will receive $62.50 in free Bitcoin. Visit retirewithchoice.com wolf. That's 
R-E-T-I-R-E-W-I-T-H-C-H-O-I-C-E dot C-O-M slash W-O-L-F. Podcast listeners receive extra points to move up the wait list and get their choice IRA first. Do it right now. It's time to take control of your financial future and free yourself from the restrictions of classic retirement accounts. Are you sick of paying ridiculous fees to trade crypto? It's time you try Voyager. It's hands down my favorite place to buy and trade crypto, and it's 100% commission-free. Voyager gives you easy access to more than 30 top crypto assets, and you can instantly transfer cash from your bank account so you never miss a trading opportunity. Even better, you can now automatically earn interest on your crypto holdings. Currently, they're offering 5% interest on Bitcoin and 6% on USDC. Yes, you heard that correctly, 6%. And there are no limits or lockups, which means your funds always stay liquid. Find out why so many people are making the switch to Voyager. Visit investvoyager.com or search for Voyager on the iTunes or Google Play Store and get $25 in free Bitcoin when you use the promo code SCOTT25. That's investvoyager.com, promo code SCOTT25 for $25 in free Bitcoin and start trading today. Um, for me, it's like a... It centers me like it's like I said, kind of I have ADD. I think that's like the best medication for me is just to like turn it all off and go exercise in some way, shape or form. But it's interesting. I would have never thought that like you literally hadn't touched a baseball or a bat. I mean, do you miss it? Or are you just like, are you the kind of person who are like, that's done on to the next thing? I'm passionate about something else. I don't even have time to think about that. No, I mean, do I miss it? I don't know, man. Like I, I don't touch music. Yeah, same, like, same, same. Those are those turntables back there might or might not be plugged in. I'm not even sure I haven't touched them in probably a year besides just playing a record. Yeah, I feel like we're the same in that sense. Like, I don't miss it. I don't like have any disdain for it. Nothing. It's just, I'm just locked in on what I'm doing. Like, that's it. Like, I just, like I said yesterday, like, I look at, like, I saw an old picture of me, like, turning double play, like, in Cincinnati or something. This guy was, like, taking me out, like, in the air. It's like, I don't remember anything. Like, it doesn't seem like it was my life, you know? Like, like I saw, like, I was, like, playing opening day in 2015. It's like, that doesn't even seem like that was like, a thing. It's like, I, I'm so locked in every day on this art. And, like, I don't know. Sometimes I'm, like, I don't think I enjoyed it as much. You know, like, when you're in it, like, like with music, for example, like, you're, like, opening for future, right? Yeah. You're so, like, locked in, you don't enjoy it. So, like, now... I agree. I'm trying to like, that's really dope. You know, like you should like be like kind of like not boastful, but like, yo, like this is dope, you know? Um, so with art, I'm trying to do that a little bit better. Like be more in the moment. Like, like I, I had an exhibit just open up in LA um, a couple of weeks ago and things were selling really fast. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to fly out there. I want to see this. Like yeah, exhibit in the gallery right there on like, uh, on, uh, you know, Beverly Boulevard. So we're right there in the corner. I have my yeah. big, like right on the corner. So I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to go fly out and see this, you know, like I'm trying to just enjoy things more now. Right. But do not like, I mean, describe to me that feeling like your first major league at bat. Dude, it was, it was uh, really, really uh, cool because it was kind of crazy, but the, the guy at first base, he died um, in a car accident in the Dominican Republic. I think it might've been that all that off season or the year after he was like a star young pitcher, man. Um, and I remember facing him. He was, he was very loud. I mean, we used to go at it all the time. And my first at bat, uh, I think it was like 13 or 15 pitches, man. And it was in Kansas city right after they went to the world series. So like Kansas city wasn't shit. Like for the right. long time. Right. Like right. winning like 50 games, but they went to that world series that year. So we opened up there, sold out, man. I was like, whoa. Like, and I never seen something like that. Like, right. That, yeah. I mean, it's a whole other. Yeah. You know, like you don't see the faces, but you look and it's like, this is really loud. Like, this is really loud. And you seem like so minute. And it was 15 pitches, man. And he just kept throwing and he was yelling at me. I was laughing at him. Um, it was like, it was really, really, uh, it was really cool. I, and I wish I kind of, slowed things down a little bit, but it's hard, you know, when you're around, I don't know, like 50,000 people, you know, like hard to be in that moment. Right. And how about that lifestyle, you know, like half the year on the road hotels, I think people think it's so glamorous, but I'm assuming that it's not at all. Yeah. That's one thing I was thinking about a lot is like, and I've done that with my daughter, right? Like 
if I work 14 hours in a day, like I miss her a lot, you know, and I feel mm-hmm. like I feel guilty, you know, like I need to be helping out. So like there's guys, you know, they go 10 days, we go 10 day road trips, 12 day road trips. And it's like spring training is like, you know, two months. And that's why when, it, when sports is coming back, we're talking about that bubble we're doing, you know, like family and stuff might not be able to go and stuff. It's like, we're not going to see family for like two or three months, man. That's crazy. You know, so like, do you think that these, do you think that sports are going to happen? I mean, like you think NFL football is going to make it through a season? Yeah. We're talking about hope, man. Like I'll be too. I, fantasy. <laughs> man, I know, man, that's a good question. I think so. I, it's, it's too big not to like, yeah. If baseball, if baseball did it, if baseball's traveling and you got it, we have a lot of people that travel with us, you know, travel secretary, medical, like, I know NFL is 53 guys and a lot of people too, but I think if they're smart and responsible enough, it can be done. It's just going to be weird with no, if no fans in the stadium, right? Like of any game, NFL is most impacted by crowd noise. Yeah. I mean, like you go to play in Seattle, you know, it's not the 12th man, whatever. It's not a joke. It's a real impact on the game. So I wonder if that would it be the same if they even do come back, you know? Yeah, I think it's going to be a different sport. I wonder if they'll just like pipe in extremely loud noise to make the players feel like it's not just a scrimmage. <laughs> yeah, man. I don't know. I think NBA has been fun to watch, like with the bubble and all that. Like those guys, you know, but that's, like you say, you just pick up basketball. Like those dudes are going to play hard at LA Fitness, you know? Yeah. That's the nature of the game. Yeah. Yeah. I don't it's know. Kind of big... Go ahead. Sorry. I was just saying, I don't know. I hope, I think the NFL can do it. I, I do. They got the resources, you know, to get it done. Baseball is so interesting because it's like it's a team sport in theory, but no aspect of it really matters who your teammate is, besides maybe like pitcher and catcher, right? None. Yeah, like, like so. Like that's one thing. Like when I come to art, when I'm in art now, like, and I'm really trying to build my art out as like a brand, right? I'm I'm not just focused on paintings. Like this project coming up is strictly photography, like conceptual photography. Another one is like. Um, I do, I'm working on a, a sneaker deal, right? So, like, I'm trying to build this whole message out where it reaches as much people as possible. So, right now, like, we're working on building a team, right? And, like, it's so funny because in baseball, you're right. Like not, you can have Mike Trout on your team and you don't make the playoffs ever, right? right? So, like, I'm trying to instill that with us is, like, even though, like, I'm doing all this, like, I still can't make myself a brand by myself, right? Like you gotta have people that do this and that, you know? So like, I, people ask me like, you really need this and this. I'm like, yeah, because like at the end of the day, like I can't move the needle on my own. Just like Mike Trout can't move the needle on his own. LeBron James in the NBA game, for sure can carry his team as far as he can, right? But I think just playing baseball helped me learn that, that like, even if I go four for four, four home runs, we lose five to four, like I did nothing. You know what I mean? Right. If you're on second base, it doesn't really matter who's catching the ball on first. Exactly. I mean, it's just, it's the only sport where it seems like players are so interchangeable in a team sport with that many players. I mean, like the the dynamic of like you would think it would be that way in the NFL, but like the dynamic of losing even like one lineman can like blow up a team completely. Right. Yeah. That's what I think about the NFL. Like when you really watch it, it's the same thing as like baseball. Like if you lose that lineman or if the chiefs don't have Patrick Mahomes. Like, yeah. It's a wrap. Right. <laughs> the Steelers last year without Roethlisberger. I mean, yeah, yeah man. So I don't know. I think, I think my life path has been really like planned out before me. Like, like to play baseball, to understand how important teams are, like to understand, like, I don't know. I think it's been, I think it's been a really cool journey. Like I'm like really just soaking it in at the time. You know what I mean? Do you think that art is like, it's the, what you're going to do until the end? Or you think that this is like the intermediary of three acts or four or five? Or is uh, it just not how you think? No, I think it's, I think it'll always be there in some shape or form, some form of creativity. But like I work with like, I'm a co-founder of a company right now that we're getting ready to build out that's really cool. And um, I don't know, I just always have to have something else new to learn. You know what I mean? Like I, my philosophy is if I have one life, like 
I want to try to do everything, try everything out. And I'm okay with failing. That's another thing that yeah. baseball taught me. It was like, I failed, I don't know my average, but I failed 80% of the time in my career. And I played seven years, you know? So like, I know how to fail. So like now, like if I fail, like it's just like whatever it means. Like, you know, I hope I fail a lot of times because then like, you, I learn, you know, okay. And that, then the next one's going to be bigger and better. You know what I mean? What's it like, like being an athlete and you're not like the big star on the team? You know what I mean? Because like, you're always fighting for a job and you're always like, like you said, it's head down. You're kind of hustling all the time. I mean, you know, I think, again, I think people think that being an athlete is so glamorous, but most of the time you're just working your ass off at your job to make sure that you have a job. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard, man. Um, for me, like I was always like that star guy, right. Like coming up high school, of course. minor leagues, even though I saw him, Oh, like with the white Sox in 15, but then you get traded to the Dodgers and it's like, boom, like God, there's, there's Kershaw, there's Adrian Salas, there's Carl Crawford, there's Chase Upley. And it's like, I'm just over here in the corner. Like, just, you know, just give me a number, man. I don't care what it is. Okay, if it's 103, you know. So like, <laughs> you have to have, like, that intrinsic, like, confidence in yourself. And I didn't have that then. Like, I think, like, my, that's when my career really turned because I didn't really – I was used to being a guy. Now, like, I'm not the guy. I'm, like, at the very end of the total role. You know what I mean? So, like – having that confidence in whatever you do, you have to build it before you have success. I don't think confidence should come after you have success. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. yeah. Every professional athlete basically in the world was like the man until the time when they became a professional athlete. Right. Which is kind of crazy to think about, but it's like every single one of them was a superstar. Yeah. Every single one, not every single one. If you're in the major yeah. league, you're in the NBA, everybody was a star on their team. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's just crazy to think about. So what was, what was the like final, uh, you know, nail in the coffin for baseball when you hung it up and said that that's it? I mean, to be really honest and transparent, uh, in 2018, I got traded to Tampa. That was a great opportunity for me. The year before that I had missed most of the season with Atlanta, uh, basically shattered my entire hand, like one of the last games of spring training. Uh, and when I came back, I just kind of sat the bench and didn't have a role anymore. Um, and I got traded to Tampa and I said, okay, this is a good opportunity. And I worked really hard, went into that, that spring training and just went off, like went out of my mind. And it was weird because I was playing at a level that I'd never played before at, at in my life. Like every time, I, every time I got the bat, I was like, I'm either going to get a home run, a double. I was playing second base, third base, shortstop, center field, left field, and making plays. I was like, I'm going to make this team. Like, not even a question. But at the same time, I'd go home, and it would be, like, the most, like, depressing time of my life. Like, I wasn't sleeping. I lost about 20 pounds that spring training. So I went from, like, 200 to, like, 179, a number I haven't been since, like, college. And I, was, I finally thought maybe I just had ADD or whatever it was. And I went to see my um, – team doctor to get some Adderall, you know, let me get some Adderall, you know, this is it. This is what my symptoms are, man. I, I feel down all the time, even though I'm having the best spring of my life. And like, you know, um, I go home, I don't eat, I don't sleep, just really depressed. So he sent me to another guy and it was like, you know, I think you might be suffering from like bipolar disorder. And I said, you know, that, that's interesting because I don't think, I never heard of this. I thought it was bipolar it has a stigma of like, one minute you're screaming and one minute you're happy. The next minute you're laughing. Right. Right. So I'm, like, I'm like, yeah, whatever. So he's like, you know, I'm going to give you some medicine. And I said, all right, man. But he gave me this medicine that messed me up to a point where like, I, I, it just numbed you. It took all like lithium or something. Yeah. Like lithium, something. Yeah. Lithium. Give me lithium. Give me lithium and Depakote. So he gave me that right at the beginning of the season. So I didn't make the team. Even though I had this that race screen, I didn't make the team. They, they needed a right-handed bat. They were facing, I forget who it was, like the Yankees to start the season. I had a bunch of lefties. So I was like, hey, I'll send you down, but you'll be back up. Just So, you know, I was that just set me down. Like, I was done. Like, I didn't That's sleep. It. Didn't sleep for a couple of days, nothing. And um, so he gave me that lithium and debacle. And for me, I was such a high-energy guy. Like, I'm going full speed every game. Like, every game. 
and just fun. And I was done. Like that lithium and that Depakote, man, like it, I missed like, you know, like seven games to start the season just from that medicine. Like just like, Wow. Didn't they say that like Mike Tyson was like, the, I think his story was kind of the same thing. Like he was such an incredible boxer and so ferocious, but he had like, you know, like, I don't know if it was bipolar or something. It might've been lithium, but, and then like the choice basically was like, do we medicate him and let him like live a happy life? Or do we like yeah. keep him as a good boxer? Cause he couldn't fight when he was anyway, medicated basically. Basically that's what it came down to. Like my last year I played like Medicaid. I don't think I've ever really talked about it. So like that was like my last year. I played completely medicated and it was the worst year of my life. Like, I think I, I don't even know what I hit, but I didn't hit anything. Almost like I forgot how to play baseball. Like, I would yeah. throw balls away, like not care, um, never worked out, never practiced. And looking back, like, sure. Like I could say, like, I was, I'm upset because like I had this great opportunity. I was with the Rays. I hit like four something in spring training. Like, um, they would have called me up. I just, just played normal, you know? And then my period, my, my only love of my life is baseball. So like just gone because of this medication, man. Like it, and, and I don't think I would have quit, honestly, if I wasn't on that medication, that medication just put me in a place where I didn't care about anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I went, I, like I said, I have ADD, but I didn't really deal with it until I was an adult and I started taking meds in my thirties it was great for a while. And then after a while, I kind of felt like it wasn't me as well and transitioned myself off of it and just kind of learned to live with it. And that's, I think I've been much happier yeah. in that regard, but it's weird. I mean, it fixes, I guess it fixes you in some way, but also just kind of can, depending on what it is, can fundamentally change who you are. I think there's people that need it, man. I really do think it's people that need the lithium and they need a demo code and stuff like that. But there's other people like myself, well, I don't think I was really that like, it was just a moment and looking back on, it, I did have periods where like I would go, I would stay up for like seven days, six days, maybe since like an hour, hour a night, go play a game, fall out and come home and do that again and never be tired. So like, I showed signs, but it wasn't like, I wish I would have had an opportunity to figure out, you know, recognize it, acknowledge it. And okay, let's figure out a plan without this medicine. That's going to just make you a zombie, you know, like let's figure out a way to you know work on this together. It's weird that they didn't like give you warning that that could happen. And I wonder, makes you think about how much it's a totally separate topic, but I think it's a huge problem that a lot of physicians like medicate first and ask questions later. Yeah. So it seems like you could have just like had some psychiatry sessions for a month or something and seen if you can work it out. But do you think it was because you were an athlete that they were like, we got to fix this and they went right to medicine? I don't know. I don't, I don't know why that was it. And the dosages were like, they were extreme. I didn't feel well at all. I didn't feel well at all. Like very nauseous, very sick. And like zero emotion to anything. Like nothing. Crazy. So I was like, you know, like I said, I think some people definitely do need it. Some people do have that chemical imbalance where it's like so extreme that, you know, that is a really proper solution. But, you know, for other people like myself, like, like Mike, like he said, about Mike Tyson, like we fed off that, like no sleep. Like you need, yeah, you need to be yeah, like, you gotta, you gotta have emotion to play sports. I mean, you, you got it. Yeah. It's something to go, you gotta get mad. You strike out four times. I was striking out four times. And nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Like, that's I not even mad. you. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So that's, yeah. so that's interesting though. Cause hearing that that's the way that I guess things ended for baseball, that kind of actually seems like a story that makes sense for transitioning into art, right? I mean, taking that passion and or taking the emotion and pouring it into something. Do you think that was part of the reason that you got so into painting and were able to really like dive into that so hard? Yeah, but to, yeah, because I was able to, it was still tough though, because I, I left baseball not ready to leave. So like yeah. I didn't really, prepare myself as an artist, you know, um, to make that transition. So like we had a baby and had all these new stresses in your life. Now I'm jobless essentially. Right. Like I, I don't know what I'm going to do next. So I was pushing all these creative like options, you know, like blah, blah, blah. And you know, it was, it was really, really scary, like really scary. Um, but I don't know. It just, it works out. Man. And that's why I don't, 
I don't take any of my success for granted. And I don't like, I don't because I work my ass off to sell paints and I work my ass off to be in magazines. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like this was just like handed to me cause I played baseball. No, like I, I really went through like a really rough time and a lot of failure, a lot of like fear and I'm going to enjoy it. Like I'm going to enjoy this. You know what I mean? Like, Cause I don't know when it went in, like, will it end prematurely again? Like, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, art in every form is, you know, it's, it's not fickle, I guess, when it comes to like your passion for it, you'll always be able to do it, but it can, I mean, as a business, I mean, I can tell you, I was rinsed by the music business more times than I can possibly count. Yeah. <laughs> I talk yeah. about it all the time. Like all these times I thought I was at my, like I was there, man, I was on the cusp. This was my big breakout moment. And then just, completely got screwed or messed something up or, you know, just like, it just never seemed to like, yeah, get over that edge. I mean, it's a, it's a vicious business, but I don't know anything about the art world that you're in. I mean, I'm sure it's really similar. It's like, you don't have control. Like if someone likes your shit, you know, someone's going to like it. If not, you're not. And if a lot of people don't like it, what are you going to do? You know, yeah. like you, you can't sacrifice your, your, your creativity. You can't sacrifice your style. Like you can't go try to emulate somebody else because people aren't going to like, do you know authentic? Yeah. I mean, right. Like if you played something, you know, that you didn't like, or maybe something you didn't like for somebody else, how miserable. I used to do it. I, right. have, I mean, I used to, there came a time where it was like, you know, someone would say, I need a song that sounds like blah. And I'd be like, that's not what I do, but I can make it. And I was always unhappy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's never good. So what artists inspire you? I mean, obviously as a visual artist, I mean, who, you know, I don't, I don't look at artists anymore. When I became amazing, when I figured out what I was doing, like when I figured out this is what I want to do, like, I don't, for example, I don't use paintbrushes anymore. I just paint my hands. I work with all hands. And I finally realized that by not looking at other artists, like the artists I worked with for that exhibit, they can paint the most straight lines you have ever seen, like freehand standing on one leg and their work is, their work looks like it was on a printer, right? It's the most amazing thing of all time. That's not me. So social media, you go look at this, you go look at that, you try to, you know, when you're creative, you can't be going on social media and going on the internet because you're going to lose your creativity. You're going to try to emulate this thing and that thing. So like once I figured out that, okay, I'm going to do my hand, I'm going to paint with charcoal and oil, whatever it looks good to me. And this is what I'm going to do. Like, I don't, I don't look at other artists. anymore. I respect other artists, you know, but like, I just know myself, I go look at them. I'm just, you might see something up there and like try to emulate it, you know? I don't yeah, know. with that, yeah, but that's, I mean, that's exact, that's described music to the T, right? Everybody's just copying or trying to find the next yeah. trend. Potentially, so like, but you, I mean, you just like tried painting one day and now you're a great painter. Did you take classes? Did you watch YouTube videos? I mean, or did you just like buy a whole lot of canvas and paint and figure it out? I had the resources financially to be okay for us a year or two, right? right? So I was able to give it a shot and fail. You know what I mean? Like I was able to give it a shot. So like, it, I was extremely fortunate in that sense. You know, like if I had to tell somebody like how to be, a, how, you want to quit your job and be an artist, like, okay, that's going to be hard if you don't want to like really take classes because you're going to have, you're going to have to try for years until you find your style. You know what I mean? That signature style. So like you had to be prepared to not make any money for this. It's not like you just don't have to just, boom, this is my signature style. It's very right. rare. You know what I mean? Like, Unless you've been doing it your whole life. Yeah. But exactly. exactly. Yeah. So for me, it was just, you know, I used the resources I had from baseball, extended them as long as I could painted, you know, and just see what I could do with paint. And, you know, luckily, for my family's sake, you know, but, but you were willing, I mean, that's a huge gamble. You were willing to take like gamble, every, everything that you had from a very successful previous career and risk it on the I, idea that on the idea that you might be able to like turn painting into something or art into something. Dude. Cause I, I'll tell you what, man, I, I'm a gambler straight up. Like if you will say like, let's play war for a thousand dollars. I'm going to play war because not because like, I just like gambling and I like money or anything. 
I just come and bet on myself every single day of the week. Like that's it. So like if someone, if my girl was like, you know, and this is, I want to quit my job and do this. Right. I know her now. So I'd bet on her, you know, cause I, I'm around her every day. But like for me, like I also know what's in my brain. I know, I know how I go. So like, even though, you know, she, it was, she's amazing because she was watching me fail. She was, you know, carrying our baby and like, was like, yo man, like what's, what's up dude? Like <laughs> you gotta figure this out, you know? But she was cool about it. Cause she was just like, you know, like, okay, he'll figure it out, figure it out. And she was getting stressed out eventually, you know, but I just kept the faith, man. I, I, uh, I just bet on myself, man. <laughs> That's it. So, I mean, so you already feel, you said that you're kind of more successful at art than you even were at baseball, which is a pretty big statement. So that means sky must be really the limit. And I, by the way, I feel that way about my, about what I'm doing now versus music, even though I did it for so long. Yeah. I don't know. At least I have a lot more confidence in it. And, uh, yeah. But what do you I measure? Mean, so how do you measure your success though? Like, is it I, by the profit losses? Happiness. <laughs> No, like I think it's happiness and just like stability, which are like the two things I didn't really consider at that other times of my life, I guess. But my, I mean, my situation is so similar to yours. It's unbelievable. Right. Cause right. like, you know, our child was unexpected. My, my first kid, my, our daughter, my music career was like, I was the old dude in the room, you know, like I was already in my late thirties when we had her. So like, it's, you know, like in that movie, uh, what is it? Dazed and Confused where Matthew McConaughey's yeah. like, you know, I get older, they stay the same age. That was me with my DJ career, right? Everybody else was in their 20s and I was just getting older. So I was already like on my way out of my music career, whether I wanted to admit it or not. So like when she was pregnant and stuff, I was really trying to figure it out, you know, yeah. and trading came even after. So I had not had it figured out when Did you daughter was born. Did you getting trading though? Like... Well, yeah, I'd been, I'd, it was something I'd already done, but I never had the balls oh, cool. to like go full yeah, bore yeah, yeah. into it. And like, you know, cause that's a, that's a big risk. Kind of like the risk you took and saying, listen, I'm just going to spend all my money for the next two years to see if this yeah. is going to be a career. That's what becoming a professional trader is to whatever degree, you know? But, uh, I don't know, man, I think success just comes with like knowing that your family is taken oh. care of and, uh, feeling like you're not going to like fall off that cliff and be completely like useless tomorrow. Right. Like I've got something set up where like, I think I have stability and that's something that you don't find really in like an art, a music career, at least for me, like I had major highs and lows. So I don't know if it's the same for you. I don't know if, are you gauging it money or are yeah, you gauging that, After hearing you talk, I think that's how I gauge it. Like, like the money provides that stability plain and simple, like you have to have a house and, you know, the daughter has to like, go to school. You have to you know, provide and you have this certain level. Everybody has a certain level of comfortability. Like some people like more high upscale stuff, you know, like it's okay. Like everybody has different levels of yeah. comfortability. Um, so I think hearing you say that, yeah, like that stability, like right now, like I wouldn't say like I'm at optimal happiness because I'm still like pushing to get that stability. Right. It's just this, I, you know, my exhibit just launched. Nature of art. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, my exhibit just launched, not but uh, like a month or two ago. Like literally, we came up here to Maine and I uh, had this brand new studio, massive, no idea like what, really wanted, what I wanted to do. Like no gallery representation, no manager, nothing. And I made a painting and I said, I'm ready. So I called this gallery that reached out to me years ago and asked if I had any paintings to show them. I had nothing. So I was like, you know, I'm not ready. And I said, I think I'm ready. Actually, yeah, I, was like, I was like, I know I'm ready. Like, this is what I got. Yeah. And like, let's do this. So like, it wasn't until like, honestly, this summer that, you know, this just started. So like, once I build this stability and I have this like infrastructure in place, then I feel like I would be at that. Okay. I'm successful right now. I'm still in that grinding stage, I think. I mean, I think you got to always be in that grinding stage because I, I definitely want more, you know what I mean? And I think that most people do, but like, I think it's like the first, this last few years, the first time where it's like, I'll be good in a year from now, no matter what. Yeah. I definitely never necessarily felt that no matter how well I did, because I knew that like, it just always felt like it could fall off a cliff. And listen, I mean, then get COVID and all this crazy stuff. I mean, you yeah. never know with life, but at least I think that the things that I can control, I'm doing well at controlling. Yeah. Yeah. It's impressive in that market, you know? <laughs> 
I have a lot of other things, you know, the podcast helps and have, you know, all these other things, these other uh, streams of business, it's very hard to rely just on trading. And I think that, uh, that's, you know, there's a, there's a, there's sort of this like fallacy of thinking that if you're a trader, you should do nothing else and you should just be able to see that way. But anyone who's really done it for a long time knows that, uh, it's going to be bad moments no matter what you do and yeah, to have yeah. other things, you know? So, yeah, yeah. Definitely, man. And especially, you don't want to ever do just one thing either. Like, not you know, me. And you know, have different streams coming in. And, you know, it, they, and they eventually all benefit each other just because, you know, you might make it on something else, but you realize I suck at this. I'm a grinder. So you just keep grinding in different areas. Yeah. You know? I keep trying new things. Do you think you'll ever come back to sports? I mean, not necessarily professionally, but like, do you think that you'll ever like get yeah, that been, itch where I, you I, need to? Yeah, I've been asked a few times. Um, the company we're building right now has a lot to do with sports. So yeah, I mean, in some shape or form, I would be in sports, but not like, I don't watch sports. I don't, unless I bet on a game, which is like now I don't I mean, I have time to look what like the spreads yeah. are. Like, I just don't watch sports. So um, I think, I think I'd be involved in sports in a more of a, how can we provide better access to black kids in baseball, stuff like that. You know, like how can we, improve in the creativity of this campaign or marketing and stuff like that, you know, more of like the business side instead of just, you know, the execution. Though, you said that you never felt there were any barriers for you. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Cause I, I, I grew up in a place where, you know, Indiana is very kind of like rural. Right. But yeah. At the same time when we grew up, like we kind of had, we had a lot of help, like a lot of help, a lot of people, paid for me to play travel ball, you know, right. and the members and stuff. And I was really lucky, you know, but that just proves what access can provide these kids. Like I wasn't getting money. We didn't have money, but I had access to these travel ball teams. You know what I mean? And just be able to have kids get that access. Like I remember one time, um, I couldn't go to baseball practice because we didn't have enough money for gas to go to work there that week. My parents had enough money to go to, so like, there's a lot of kids in that situation on a daily basis. You know, they don't have the resources to tap into that can get them to practice or let them play this travel ball tournament. They need to get, you know, do to get scouted. Right. So just trying to figure out the best way to do that. Um, it's kind of like where my head is at, you know, that's really interesting. And you got to think about how many, I mean, certainly in music, but like how many incredible young artists there are out there that have no platform. And I guess the, I mean, I guess now that at least the internet is somewhat and social media is a great equalizer to some degree. I mean, when I was growing up, if people were music and stuff, you didn't, it was literally just about access, right? You couldn't even share your stuff with anyone unless you physically had a person to show it to. Or to <laughs> yeah, 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 like walking up to them. But now, I mean, I guess, you know, sky is kind of the limit with, social media. Yeah. Yeah. Social media is big for kids. You know, like I don't understand it as much, you know, I, I haven't, <laughs> I got Twitter. That's it. And I can't yeah, do that. <laughs> like, you gotta like, seems like it's just, yeah, you gotta dive into it, man. And really invest your time. And that's what you're going to do. You know, I think, but isn't that huge for like in your industry? Like, I mean, if you want to be a successful artist don't, or do you have someone else that does that for you? Or is it just like, you don't oh, worry really, about it? I probably should do better. I'm doing better now, but, I mean, for me, I just, I just like creating. I like doing stuff like, and I don't really like publicizing. Like I'm, you know, maximizing, you know, posts. Yeah. And, so, uh, yeah. But there's also artists out there that are like, I like the dope artists that like don't have that big a following, but you see them like in these massive collections and institutions. Yeah, follow, following and talent have are two very like disparate ideas, right? Cool, I mean, it's that yeah. way with everything, but. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's something cool about it. Like, even in music, you see like some guy, you know, just cause he makes crazy viral videos, got all these like followers, but the music's trash. Like, but he's yeah, like gang, gang, Gangnam Style wasn't the best song that was ever made, but it was like the most viral at the time. But I mean, and that's the thing about art. I mean, the, <laughs> the most famous artists are not the ones who were necessarily the most talented or whatever. They just either were in the right place at the right time or they had access kind of like you were talking about. It's, I mean, Access. You have to have a certain base level of like talent, I think, to succeed in art, but then you have to have that lucky moment and capitalize on it. Yeah. And you got to be a businessman. Art's about selling. You can't be an artist and not sell. So like you got to have this, this business savvy about you, you know, like 
there's a lot of artists out there that are really good at art, but don't sell. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's their prerogative, but I don't know. At the end of the day, I, I like, I like eating, you know, like I got to eat. Yeah, eating's fun. Yeah. Like I got to <laughs> eat. Eating's cool. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not going to just make something just to fulfill myself. If I do, you know, I just keep it aside or something. But at the end of the day, this is my job, you know? How much of your art is hanging in your house? Um, so do you make stuff and you're like, I'm not selling this. This is mine. Um, everything in my world got a price tag except (laughs) a few days, you know, but like I'll make something with the idea that it won't ever hang in someone's house. So like presented, you know, but at the same time, you know, knowing that I want to keep this, you know what I mean? Something personal to me that like no one else really cares. That's kind of right. how I view it. If they buy it, they buy it, you know, or I put a high price tag on something, you know, that's kind of how I operate. Yeah. This yeah. is mine. And unless. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, unless. Yeah, exactly. Unless we buy like slogan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So where can everybody like after this, obviously I know we're up against it. Like where can everybody find you, follow you and what should we be looking for? Like, you know, in the coming months to years. Yeah. So artangels.net is, um, on my current works that are available on there. Um, Instagram, Micah underscore Johnson three, same as Twitter. Um, and I would say September is grind mode for me. A lot of PR pushing for uh, a launch in early October of a, this new kind of art I'm doing that nobody's seen, been planning it for a long time, never talked about it. Um, big plans for it, but that's going to be early October that we'll finally be able to release it. Um, so just September might just be dead for me, but that's okay, my, good, you know, calm, calm before the storm. I, yeah. I think the NFT, I think the NFT space is so, so interesting. And I've had a lot of companies that have, I'm starting to hear it like bubble for sure. You know, yeah. that's sort of the future of the kind of crossover between crypto and art. Certainly. So there's a lot of companies that are, you know, doing it where, you know, you don't have to get a MetaMask wallet and you don't have to get a, you know, go to Uniswap. There's, there's companies that are making simple use of the technology, the underlying technology of it all, which is the blockchain. Like that is like what provides like uniqueness to all this, you know? Right. I, I look forward to seeing what you're going to do with it, man. And thank you so much for taking the time. It's a crazy story. And thank you so much for sharing, I guess, things yeah, that you hadn't cool. sort of uh, shared before. I never talk so much on my podcast either. I'm usually listening, but you ask me questions. Now I put all my crap yeah, out there yeah. as well. So. <laughs> but we'll have to uh, do this again and follow up in a couple months and see where you're at. Thank you very much. Stop.